And we're here for another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. This is season four, and I'm interviewing Sarah Noel Block of Tiny Marketing, a LinkedIn connection I made, mm, I think maybe almost two years ago now. So this is the third episode in Sarah's interview series. So if you haven't listened to the other two, then you could either listen to this one now and go back or go back now and listen all the way through. Today, we're going to talk about making small marketing budgets go as far as possible with automation. Leveraging automation in your marketing processes can actually help you bring costs down or even make more money. How? Because you aren't spending time on a $25 an hour task when you could be out there making $100 an hour, $150, $200 an hour. So let's go ahead and listen. Okay, so for our third episode in Sarah's interview series, I wanted to talk about something that is definitely within her wheelhouse. Sarah is an expert at making marketing budgets go far, like super far. So Sarah, you're worse, you're used to working with these tiny marketing departments, mm-hmm. and typically what that means is that they do not have the most you know, luxurious marketing budgets. So do you have any secrets or I don't want to say secret, like it's something nobody knows, but just something that's kind of bubbled to the surface over your years of experience for making a marketing budget go further in terms of effectiveness while, you know, watching the dollars. Yes, definitely use a tech stack that integrates and is inexpensive. You can find tools that you can afford within that within your budget that will make everything a lot more smoother and go further. For example, I always recommend that these smaller businesses use Meet Edgar for social media automation. And the reason I'm obsessed with Meet Edgar is because it recycles your posts. And I love that. And it creates the copy for you. You put one post together, and then you click a little button, and it'll create four more posts based from content that's in that link. And then you can set it to recycle, so it goes so much further. You can pull content from RSS feeds, so let's say a publication that has the same audience as you and relevant information, it'll pull from there. Mm -hmm. I love it. And then second would be to use... um, other people's audiences. When you are trying to build out your your list, when you're trying to gain an audience, start um, guest posting in other publications that your audience reads, um, podcast interviews, webinars that you're co-hosting with somebody. Get in front of other people's audiences that share an audience with you so you guys can help each other. And it's free. And <laughs> free. There, there was one thing I think that, um, that I think people undervalue, but that point about tech stacks that integrate, um, it sounds like it's not a big deal at first that if they don't integrate, right? Um, but if you've, you know, once you spend some time, you know, copying, pasting email addresses, for example, uh, you know, data entry, things that are automated in other systems, if you have a tech stack that is not as integrated as it could be, you're wasting a ton of time. And I think uh, for smaller companies and smaller businesses, all they're thinking about is, uh, how much would I have to pay somebody, you know, 
like Sarah to manage my marketing or do this or do that or how much would it, you know, how, what a hassle it's going to be to migrate to a different system, even though it integrates and they're not calculating the value of the time spent on doing things like data entry when it could be done completely automatic, right? Yes. Yes. Like if you use the, just the free HubSpot account, it'll integrate with your Outlook or Gmail and Mm -hmm. any email that you send, it'll create a new contact right in there. You don't have to do anything else. It's, it's so nice and easy. It is. That's a fact. And uh, another great example is Trello. You and I are both Trello fans. And I love how I can, my my Trello boards connect with my Google Drive. So I can just go Mm -hmm. right in there and select documents and everything from Google Drive and pop them, you know, right in there. So I think, yeah, people just underestimate the value of that, that automation piece. But if you track your time, then you can find out exactly how much time and money that you are expending on tasks that just aren't in your area of brilliance. So if you're wondering, okay, should I automate more? Should I work with someone like Sarah? Should I bring on freelancers or anything like that? Track your time and see where you're spending time where you don't need to be spending time and you'll know. Like how much is your time valued at, right? Like if, right, Sarah, like if you can make $200 an hour, just throwing it out there. If you make $200 an hour doing something, but you spend a whole hour doing data entry. Yeah, it's a waste of time. And <laughs> speaking of, I use Trello for managing my virtual assistant, too. So with the Slack integration, so anytime she changes a card, if she needs to comment on something, I'll get an, an alert on Slack. But she knows all of the things that she needs to do for the week. I know her progress on them because she's moving them to doing and done. It's just, I love that project management tool. (laughs) I do, too. I do, too. It integrates with everything. And I think, actually, I remember getting a notification that they purchased Jira. Yes, I saw that. Which is good because I hated Jira. So (laughs) So maybe they'll make it better. (laughs) Maybe. I did not like it. Okay, so... When you're kind of surveilling marketing in general, um, what do you feel is a, a common misstep or mistake that you see marketing departments making? It doesn't have to hold true to size if you wanted mm-hmm. to talk about some of the, the larger companies. I like to use larger company mistakes to illustrate my wow. points, but whatever you, whatever you feel <laughs> is the most common misstep that you've seen. I think the most common misstep is creating something and then leaving it alone. You don't promote it. You don't integrate it with your other items. Like, for example, if you create a blog, you have a business blog. You can't just have a business blog and think that people are going to find it. That doesn't mean that they'll find it. They probably won't. You need to push it out um through promoting on social media. You need to create emails around it. You can create ads around your lead gens. Everything should be multi-channel. You can't just create something and think that it'll attract people. They need to know it exists first. That's a fact. And I mean, I hate, I hate to say it this way, but unless you're like already famous, right? You can't yeah. just, you're not, you're not Gary V, right? You can't just drop things out there and everybody just runs and scrambles to pick it up and and read it and examine it. That's that's not who we are, uh, you know, with our tiny marketing departments. People don't know us. 
No, I think that even if you're someone big like that and you just put it on your website, it would drown with everything else, even if you're big. (laughs) (laughs) There is. There's a lot of noise out there. There's a ton of noise out there. And, I mean, you see it, though, even like so so Neil Patel is probably a really good example. Like he is considered, you know, a SEO giant, but he promotes his stuff on all of his channels. He runs ads. (laughs) <laughs> he is he does do multi-channel for everything including his blogs he is brilliant he does good things he is that the podcast the marketing school yeah <laughs> so uh surprise question a little bit i just i realized i was like we can't talk about making marketing going further without talking about content repurposing mm-hmm so I'm interested to, you know, kind of hear your perspective on it. We've talked about it a little bit on LinkedIn, like recently, I think it was like last week or earlier this week. So I, I'd really love for you to share, you know, your thoughts on it and how you implement it in a systemic fashion. Yes. Um, I actually, I can't take credit for this idea. I, <laughs> I saw it from Megan Minns, a productivity consultant, and it was just so brilliant. I took it for myself because it's perfect for these tiny marketing departments. Um, creating a video. And if you do it in Zoom, it you get the format of a video or an audio file. Well, you get both, the video and the audio file. So you have a podcast there and you have a video for YouTube. Create an article from the content that you've created from your video. You can just have a writer watch the video and create it for if you don't have the time and then create at least three posts from your social media or on your social media around that article. Every article pretty much has three sections. You can create a brand new post on each of those sections to promote that content. That is what six, six different pieces of content from like one hour of work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We we do a lot of content repurposing. There's one thing I'd like to throw out there though, mm-hmm. but the um one of the things that I do with my podcast episodes, I take the transcript and I actually have somebody I I pay a, a freelancer to clean up the transcript. So she takes out all the ums, she'll throw in some links for me usually if we talk about something specific. She'll fact check for me. But I actually take the transcript from an automated program. So she's polishing up any of the mistakes there. Mm-hmm. But it drastically brings down the amount of time she has to spend on it. And then I just take it and I SEO it. Yeah. Right? So I make it look more like a blog post with the proper headings and the formattings, uh, breaking up, you know, some of the sentences and stuff like that and paragraphs. And that helps a lot. I, I actually used to be the writer that would take a client's video and turn it into an article. So once I started running the videos through a transcription software, saved me a ton of time. That saved is me a ton of time. That's a good tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so huge. Um, and, and that, yeah, I guess that, that would be the one thing I would add in there, especially starting from like a video or a podcast episode. But I use an app called Designer, which started out as just an ebook thing ebook app Mm -hmm. but they threw they started developing and and handle it accordingly especially when you're talking about accessing capital 
Absolutely. Okay, so I feel like a lot of people in my audience are going to be really interested to learn more about the pitching aspect, especially because I think Baltimore's pitching, the investing and pitching community is growing. Like I see a lot of opportunities come up with pitch competitions, and you wrote the book, so you want to pitch, and people are like, yes, I do. And then I think especially from the service perspective, because I talk to and know a lot of consultants. And so, yeah, I will say that until I met you and heard your story, I was thinking, well, I'm kind of not in that bucket of people who pitch, right? I don't have a product. And so that's why your book is like in my next three to read. Um, But I'd like to know, we're going to link to it in the show notes, but I'd like to know what led you to write the book. And I feel like I already know the answer, but is it relevant now? I wrote the book because I couldn't get money for my business. When I learned about pitching and I won the amount of money that I won pitching, I felt like other people needed to know too. Basically, people weren't telling you that this was an option. And like everybody keeps saying, you need to have an elevator pitch. You know, your 60-second elevator pitch. I had never been in an elevator with anybody that was willing to invest any money in me. Like, I'm like, what elevators are you guys getting in? Because I want to get in that elevator too so that I can I can pitch somebody for 60 seconds and then that they're going to give me some money. Normally, but, I take the escalator, but I get yeah, the elevator like, for that, right? Like, I, didn't, I didn't know that. And so when I started it, when I started the journey, I started because, I'm being honest, I needed a business plan. And so I ran across a business plan competition, and they were supposed to help you write a plan for your business. The money was, like, secondary. Like, I was just like, okay, if I win the money, that's good, but at least I can leave here and know what I'm doing. So in the end of it, you know, you had to pitch your business. And so I got up there and I pitched my business and I won and I got bit by the bug. Like I was just like, wait a minute. So what you're trying to tell me is that you're going to give me this money and I don't have to give you no money back. And so I was like, well, let me start Googling and seeing what else is out there. There are hundreds of thousands of business plan competitions happening across the world. So I wrote it all down. I wrote down everything that I did. In this book, I even listed, I think it's like 19 pitch competitions listed for you so that you can just go in and you can look and see. And even if they're not happening right now, you can kind of go back because a lot of it, I have a degree in history. A lot of it is research. I think with So You Want to Pitch, I just wanted people to know that it was possible and to know that this South Baltimore girl, this girl that grew up in the inner city and in the hood, if people want to say in the hood, if I can get out there, you know what I mean, and and at least try, I wanted to let people know that it was an option. Like this is an option for small businesses, especially businesses of color and businesses who are not traditionally funded. And so those tend to be the micro enterprises, right? We're underfunded. Women are underfunded. Women of color are underfunded. Like we receive less than 1% of all funding. We're outpacing every other group of people, every ethnicity. We're outpacing them, hands down. But we can't access money. And so that that's why I wrote the book. That That's why I did it. I wanted somebody that looked just like me to be like, okay, if that crazy girl can get up there and, and start talking makeup, then I can definitely get up there and say something. 